Hello and welcome to Strange New Dicks. I'm your host, Natch Karnick, and with me are... Dinah McPhail. Bill Voivod. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed podcast. In a couple years, we're going to be talking a lot about Strange New Worlds, but <laughs> with so much Trek coming out already, uh, we're jumping in a little bit early. Today, we are super excited to bring you our Strange New Takes on Lower Decks' first episode, Second Contact. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star ratings on iTunes, other podcast providers you might use that also allow ratings. Get us on there, because that stuff helps us get into search lists. When people, when people look for podcasts that say Star Trek, they're like, I'm watching this new Star Trek show. I need a podcast for it. Your rating means we show up higher, and so it helps. So, and then just as a heads up, before we get into it, this podcast and literally all of our podcast episodes will include spoilers for this episode and potentially other episodes of Star Trek and or fandom at large. So if you haven't had the chance to watch Second Contact and you don't want to be spoiled, feel free to hold off on this episode until you get the chance to watch it. And if you don't care, just jump in with us. All right. Speaking of jumping in, I think it's time we jump in to discussing... Our first new episode of this podcast, really that's the important thing here, it's not Lower Decks, it's that we have a new Star Trek show for this podcast to discuss as opposed to old Star Trek. Um, But uh, before we get there, I I really uh, just adore the fact that we are now watching Star Trek LDS, that is the official three-letter acronym. You got TOS, VOI, ENT, well this one's LDS. (laughs) Good old ENT, you know, (laughs) Star Trek ENT, that's what I call it. right. Toss, Disnan. Can you pronounce the other one? Tinig. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you can. I think that that's why they call it TNG for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I bet there's some marketing person over at CBS being like, "You can't call it LDS. That acronym has too much weight on it already." But they just did it, so good for them. <laughs> All right, episode one, second contact. We, the, the name of the episode is one of the first things that we learned about this starship. And uh, let me summarize this episode. This is a summary I wrote based on the IMDb summary. Ensigns Mariner and Boimler run into trouble while on second contact on Galar. Galar? Galar Prime? I don't, I don't know. With the Galardonians. How about that? Meanwhile, an alien virus infects the crew of the Cerritos, complicating Rutherford's date with a shipmate and Ensign Tendi's first week on a starship. Did I miss anything? I think you got it. All right. Well, what are your strange new takes on this strange new trek? I'm super into it. (laughs) I'm super (laughs) duper into it. I was like... Very surprised. I definitely took a lot of notes, uh, like sort of sassy notes on the last few uh, episodes of um, Short Trek that we watched. And I was like, this writing isn't that great. And like, this characterization isn't good. And so then like to watch this episode <laughs> was so much fun. It was so, so, so much fun. And I'm, we're going to get into the writing and other stuff later. But like, I think I was really sassy last week because writing is really important to an episode as it turns out um and this episode is so well written and is like an exemplar of a lot of the things that new shows have to do and they just did it so well oh I had, I had the best time the best freaking time 
It's awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, I I think for me the uh, the overline thing is just uh, I think this is the best opening Star Trek episode. That's my strange new take. Uh, there's uh, I I kind of had no idea <laughs> what I was getting into when I watched this show. Uh, I I mean like the the previews they looked all right. I was. I was open to the idea, uh, but just I was completely blown away. Uh, and the the moment where they just absolutely had me was uh, the opening title sequence. And from from that moment on in the episode, I was oh, just yeah. I was there. It was super awesome. <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, you know, I had um, when I was uh, sorry, I got distracted. That's why you have to edit that part out. Um, <laughs> I Keep totally lost my train of thought. I have a problem between going through the, between the Zoom and going between. Anyway, okay, sorry. So you were talking about something, and I suck at podcasting. It was awesome. It's a. Uh, it oh, the I know what I was going to say. I know what I was going to say. This this world super sucks right now, and I just needed something that made me laugh. And so it was really nice to watch Star Trek that was funny, and I was surprised at how often my husband and I laughed while we were watching it. So that was pretty Absolutely. cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. And, um, you know, my, my strange new take is that this show is really a love letter to the B-plot of you yes! know, TNG episodes. Yes, you know, so. Yes! You know, the, the A and B plots are flipped. I mean, we'll talk about this more later, but like the zombies taking over the ship is the B plot, right? And then them <laughs> hanging out with the farmers on the planet is the A plot. And right, it's just exactly. So, yeah, so well executed and so fun. What's kind of funny about that is they took the B plot and they made it so ridiculously over the top. So it still showed up a lot, even though it was the B plot. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it was yeah. like so over the top. Well, I think it's cool that it sort of like validated our predictions of what an animated series could be. That's kind of what we talked about last week is like, what are you excited about for an animated series? And we're like, oh, you can be really gross and scary and nasty <laughs> and lose limbs. And, you know, in the, one of the first couple minutes of the show, uh, Boimler's leg gets hacked into by a batleth and there's blood everywhere. And then, like, we got zombies that puke black goo at people. And it's like, chill, because it's an animated series. And so we have sort of, we got, like, that delivered to us in this episode. So. My uh, my immediate reaction, I think, for after this episode was something that you all have all touched on, which is this is funny, and I was terrified that they had picked the funniest scene for the like Comic Con reveal, and that scene, I mean, it's it's okay, but it's not like <laughs> oh god, amazing, forty minutes of this, please, and so <laughs> I was terrified that I was gonna watch this kind of cringe thing where someone you know that they like were like actually regulation 45 says and and that was going to be the whole episode and just like bill says it's it's this like irreverent love letter to star trek and it's well written so it's funny it's yes. funny yes thank you thank you thank you for for giving us a comedy show that is funny and i wish that wasn't so rare but uh <laughs> let's let's actually on that on that topic let's jump into our in-depth discussion of this episode. The first bullet point on my notes in capital letters says writing. <laughs> That's me. I put I write in only capital letters as it turns out. I'm caps lock Harry or something. Um, so for people who don't know, which is everybody, I'm an English teacher. 
And so the thing that I focus on a lot is the writing. And one of the things that I loved about this episode, and Bill touched on it, and is really the idea of like the, the flipping of the plot. So there's a subversion of expectations to a certain extent, but it also really delivers on all the expectations. And like Bowen said, the, the short term writing in the, in the individual episode is super good it's a super tight first episode it's really really funny but then it also sets everything up for like long-term success in the show like you have these characters who you understand and you have these stakes that you understand it's just so well done as a story that's part of a larger story that made me so happy <laughs> And we'll talk more about, like, the different characters and how they interact when we get into the characterization. But what I loved is basically everything about the writing. But I, what I loved really is that it, there's a lot of room to be funny, but then also room for drama and human interaction um, and betrayal and surprises that are just delivered really humorously in this first episode that were so good. So there's so much potential for this show and they gave it to themselves in the way that they chose to write it. So I was, it's just super clever. It's just, I'm into it. I'm like, <laughs> drink, I drink the flavor aid like real quick. And so now I'm just like really excited about it. <laughs> I, th I think something I noticed that is different between this writing and Star Trek 2009, which is also filled with like, it. that was also a love letter, right? Like mm -hmm. that was... We're bringing back Star Trek. We're bringing back these people we love. And we're going to have all these little callbacks. And it's going to be really funny. And hey, here's a callback. Yeah, everyone stops for a second. There's right. The applause track starts. You know, everyone like takes a bow. And then the movie goes on. <laughs> that doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. All of the stuff is just woven in like seamlessly. And like, for example, there's a reference to um, Shaxis, the, the Bajoran like security officer guy on mm -hmm. the bridge. Uh he he wants to blow up the warp core and that kind of, you know it, it's and that's referenced again in the like coming up this season and so they don't they don't make a big deal out of that it's just thrown in and we get it it's it's going to be the joke that keeps happening and it's even the like end credit sequence they managed to like have it be part of the episode and and like fleshing out some of the characters mm -hmm. uh get letting us know what some of the recurring jokes might be so it was it was really immaculately put together and with only what is it, 26 minutes or whatever it was, that's that's tough, compressing all of that in, into so little time. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, speaking of time, let's talk about pace. This is one of the shortest Star Trek, besides the short treks, this is some of the shortest Star Trek we've had. Definitely. I think what's cool is that, again, sort of referring to my snarkiness about two of the three short treks that we have, we have this really short amount of time to do a lot with story, right? And so the pace has to keep going. And your, to your point, Notch, it's like, there's no pause. Like, you see what I did there with that fan service that I gave you to see how, how funny we are? It just kept going, which helped the pace of the, of the episode itself and then it also helped the comedic timing. Um, but this is kind of like a masterclass in how to do exposition. Because at the beginning of every single Star Trek episode, you have exposition. You have usually have the captain's log of some kind. It's like, here's the thing that we're going to do this week, and here's the thing we're going to focus on. What was really cool about this episode, I thought, I thought, was that they wove all of the exposition into the character building 
which is really great. So we meet these new characters. We meet the self-important Boimler and the sort of irresponsible or characterized as irresponsible Mariner. And we meet Tendi in the middle of all this exposition. But then you figure out who these characters are in the middle of like, here is where the deck is. Here is where we are. Here is where the captains are. Everything sucks. Or I really want to be a captain. And it's all folded into actual dialogue that pushes the story forward it's not like it's really important that you remember that 500 years ago we were at war with x group and that's really going to be important in the future but we'd have no reason to remember it besides just that it's an important detail and so i thought that was really cool that there's so much that can be done if you do it right you can do a lot of exposition in a short amount of time to really give everyone the opportunity to understand what's going on so, fan, so fans of Star Trek will be able to watch the show and be like, oh, look at these cool details that I'm picking up. And people who are just getting into Star Trek will be able to watch the show and not be like, I have no idea what that joke was. I have absolutely no idea. Well, and I, I think uh, a lot of this is going to get into, um, or I, I think related to that idea is uh, the characterization is so very clear in this episode where, uh, and I think this sort of helps with the, with the, uh, but well, one making this just like immediately good uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, each of our characters has a very clear um, like point of view and like motivation and whatnot. And I I feel like the failing of a lot of other Star Treks is it kind of um, starts out. Uh, it seems like the prompt for every single actor is like your motivation is you're a very responsible, upstanding Star Trek. Uh, starfleet uh commander and you need to uh be buttoned up and do your duty every day and here here like it 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 usually takes like two or three seasons for them to figure out like what is my actual like thing that people like about my character or like Mm -hmm. what are interesting story arcs but like that stuff's all baked in immediately and just works really well Mm -hmm. definitely Yeah, I thought it was it was a lot of character development actually for Star Trek, and I think you know you guys have alluded to this, but in the like '90s era, um, Star Trek the characters are pretty static, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of a, a type of storytelling where you just take these static characters and throw them into different situations, and um, and then invariably they do the right thing, <laughs> and they're they're back on the bridge at the end of the episode, and everything worked out. Um, so yeah, so super fast paced in general, and also with regard to the character development. You know, something else that jumped out at me as far as character development goes. So in uh, Next Generation, they dropped the the one little bombshell that was kind of dropped. Well, there may have been a couple, but the one that jumps to mind that they dropped in the first episode would have been um, the little uh, uh, would have telepathic communication between Riker and Troy, mm-hmm. where they call each other Imzadi. Um, and I feel like the reveal at the end of this episode about um, the about uh, Mariner's relationship to the captain kind of felt that way, too. It's like you can see that that's something they're dropping into that episode that that's going to have that's going to be woven through the series. You know, like we're going to see implications from that go from this episode on. And they did do that with the Imzadi stuff in Next Generation also. So kind of reminded me of that. Totally. I think that was the, the only part of the episode where I was kind of like, oh, this feels a little forced, like was was the way that they put the, the family stuff in there. Um, shout out to Phil Lamar, who played uh, Ensign Mariner's dad. He's from Mad TV and th- he has all of these like weird voice acting. Like he shows up at 
all sorts of places. And there's a YouTube video of him, like, voicing all his different characters from across, like... I mean, there's hundreds of shows that he's been on. So to, to, I, I went to, like, do a little research, and I saw his name, and it, it, it got blew me away. But, again, that is the only scene in this show where I was like, ah, wait... Mm, that was just I a actually, little like forced. So I, I understand. I, I expected to hate that detail when it came out, but then like when we think about, and we'll, we'll get into the characterization and like the different things that they're dealing with. But I, when we think about Mariner's character and how it she interacts with power, it like I think I think it's actually a really smart move. But I do understand why it feels like it's forced. Like what, we know that she was we know that she was demoted and then put onto the Cerritos, so that would maybe make sense too. Why don't we just go into the characters, right? Because I was thinking, like, how do we how do we think about like going through this episode? And you know, there are some podcasts that are like, well, on scene one, Mariner <laughs> enters from the left, and Boimler. You, you we don't need that. those podcasts. We want to be the cool, fun podcast, right? Let's talk about the characters. Home. I, th- I think this week, I think this, the 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 way to get through this episode is to talk about the characters. We're talking about Mariner. I think, okay, I hate introducing, like, what other people have said into this, but I read a tiny bit about people's reaction to this episode, and there seems to be some some uh, stress about uh, the, she just seems, like, super, like, intense and stuff, which to me is, like, that always comes up when there's a black woman on TV, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, she needs to slow down and be a little less passionate. It's It's stereotypes, and it's bullshit, and I thought she was... The, the I thought some of the like stuff funniest stuff in this episode are those nuggets that she just throws out there like when she tells oh, yeah. Boimler that she, she is his chadich. Little <laughs> <laughs> bitch. End, Wait, right? so also like when he's he's getting gummed by the spider creature and she's like that's a thing I just I just learned that I just picked that up right now. Um right? it'll be fine. I'm like it's, it's just it's gumming just, you. It's there's so just good. stuff. There's so much stuff that she just says and if you go and when you go back and rewatch this episode her character becomes, like, one of the funniest things because you could focus on every little thing that she's saying. And there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have to say, there was also some stereotyping that Boimler did of her. Totally. Now, granted, he had something planted. I just, there were two things that jumped out at me that spoke to com- to today's, well, let's be honest. This did not necessarily talk speak just to today's instance because, you know, our entire history is drenched in this. But um, so Boimler had the seed planted in his head that um, Mariner was, you know, someone insubordinate, whatever. He needed Mm -hmm. to keep an eye on her. But I don't know. It just felt like overtones of police pulling over a person of color and, you know, immediately pulling out a phaser. You know, he pulls out a phaser on her and assumes that she's doing something nefarious and she's actually doing something really good and helpful for those farmers. Um, and so anyway, it just that just stood out to me like, hmm, maybe they're having some commentary here about mm-hmm. the assumptions that are made about black people when you pull them over. You know, anyway. I think I would have more issues with the way that Mariner was characterized if Boimler didn't respond to her in that way, too. You know what I mean? Because I think it's written into the show where it's like, whoa, lady, you need to slow down. And she's like... No, I won't. I won't. And so I think I think there's there's that that interplay. I think you're right, Emily. There's that connect this that that sort of parallel between these two characters. That I think I would have more of an issue with if it was just seemed like it was very face value and it, there wasn't anything deeper mm-hmm. involved. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I think I mean she just steals every scene, right? I mean she's the star of the show. Hell sure. yeah, she is. And I think it's brilliant. You know, I I can't think of another instance in Star Trek where we have a character who's irreverent about starfleet and mm-hmm. like ha- hasn't 
drank the Kool-Aid, right? Like every, everybody is always like 100% drinking, you know. There's one, there's one, Dom Barris, who is, mm. okay. which yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say like. Also yeah, yeah. sort of, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we get to see what happens basically. Like, I was uh, sorry, Bill, I'm just going to okay. make this one point. I'll throw it back to you. <laughs> Um, we get to see what happens to like Nick Lacarno and those cadets who get b- bounced out of Starfleet. Also I know one Tom, of them shows also up. Also, Tom in... Paris. It's fine. No worries. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, it's a Law and Order situation. You know? Yeah, we, we we get to find out. Like, I guess Michael Burnham has that, but I felt like Burnham on Discovery, her redemption arc was so Im- almost immediate that it didn't really mm-hmm. like. You don't get to see someone who truly like, like you said, dislikes Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. yeah. But well, it, I, I, I suppose uh, to Star Trek 2009, uh, Kirk gets into it a little bit too, uh, but it's sort of, he gets won over uh, eventually. Yeah, that's that's true. I Just one last point about that, but it's very subtle, right? They strike a really good balance because she, you know, so at the end of the episode, Boimler is like, you know, Starfleet is better for having you in it, right? So she actually like, you know, believes in Starfleet or like supports the idea that for she's just irreverent yeah she thinks that starfleet isn't living up to its core ideals Mm -hmm. which in a way puts her almost as as like in in line with what we're seeing in picard Mm -hmm. which i think happens much uh uh, like 10 or 20 years after this because i think this show is like Mm -hmm. right after nemesis and then there's like what 30 years to picard so we're kind of seeing that idea of like starfleet isn't really like servicing its ideals which are really mm-hmm. good so you gotta like bend the rules a little bit to get farming equipment to the gallardonians um do, have, have any of you experienced voice acting from tony newsome before she's the voice actor for ensign mariner i don't watch a lot of cartoons to be honest so i don't and i i or animated stuff and i haven't heard her before no i just watched her on space force she's okay. on space force uh, right now, so I watched okay, it on awesome. that, but that's not animated, obviously. But yeah, one she I, I, she does a good job. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. One thing I want to say about Mariner as a character, which I think is sort of related to my point about the familial ties, which I know you didn't like much. Um, I think what's interesting, or what's going to be interesting about Mariner, is that we we have this view of her like she's awesome, she's really funny, she's very energetic, she's really moral, she has her own moral compass that she's following, um, and she really does believe, it seems like, in Starfleet, but she also has this really intense safety net from her parents, right? So her her mom is a captain, her dad is an admiral, and whatever she did that got her busted down, she, did, she is still in Starfleet, right? And so she just got assigned to her mom's ship. And so we know that as audience members, and I don't know how long it's going to take for, like, Boimler to find out, because Boimler, at the beginning of the episode... He's definitely drunk the Kool-Aid, and he's really into, like, climbing the ranks. And even the captain is like, I see captain material in you. So he has, like, all of these potential opportunities to, like, advance. Um, But he doesn't have that familial safety net. And so it could be that at this point, Mariner, up until this point, Mariner has only ever rebelled and hurt herself. If she's hurt herself at all, like, it has only affected her. But Mm -hmm. there's also potential that whatever they end up doing as like a rebellion uh, against Star Trek of some sorry, Starfleet of some kind could really impact Boimler negatively and would have less of an impact on Mariner. You know what I mean? So I think that's yeah. a really cool opportunity in that writing, which is why I like the plot twist that his her mom is the captain and her dad is the admiral. I understand why it's like, oh, maybe that's forced, but I I, I don't mind the plot like twi- the, the connection. I thought the way it was introduced, I'd almost prefer to know it going in, mm-hmm. but um. 
I think the last last word on Boy Mariner, I'm, I'm going to steal it, which is that I think we're going to get two episodes. One is a flashback to her as an idealistic Boimler, basically, and how that changed, uh, basically. And then we're going to get the episode where she's like the rebel trying to like do the right thing w- with all these bureaucrats, except she's wrong the whole time. And so it's going to end up with her like, that's like a stereotypical episode for like her type of character on TV. You get those two. Uh, let's talk about Boimler since you brought him up a bit. Uh, you know, Mr. Straight Laced, <laughs> by the book. Is anyone else disappointed that no one brought up like a Starfleet Regulation 47? <laughs> I yeah, I, I was I, watching I for the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> can't say that I missed that one. <laughs> Especially after Ask Not, I was like, I don't want to hear about another regulation right now. I really can't do it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't even care how many regulations there are. I just can't hear about them right now. But I, so I mean, I liked I liked Boimler's characterization because you you see how he's very like uptight and prissy and very like married to the idea that it, like in, in another world he would have been the main character of the show with no question about his loyalty to Starfleet and he would, you know do a lot of brave deeds and then he would be he would do the right thing all the time was like what bill was saying right like in, the, in another world like that would be the main character and i like that like there's the constant like listen you can't just just do what people tell you all the time and expect that people are going to be thankful for you like there is that questioning of that sort of paradigm and so i liked i like that piece of him i really do enjoy that and the way that they play off each other mariner and boimler i think that's a really cool combination yeah, he's, he's kind of a necessary foil for Mariner, right? Mariner would be a lot less fun without Boimler. And I just like the idea, of, I, I don't know if this is going to be true throughout the season, but I like the idea of somebody who's like totally invested and totally wants to be Starfleet, but is like not that good at it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, there, there is... seems to be the implication, right? Yeah, there, there is a nice kind of contrast with... Uh, I mean, literally every single Starfleet officer that we've ever seen can, uh, like, create a warp drive out of uh, some, like, matchsticks and random stuff they find around the house. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's it's nice to see some ineptitude in, in this episode, which I, I guess uh, uh, the maybe our, the, the first uh, ineptitude that I remember seeing was uh, in the uh, episode with um, Trouble with Ed, Edward. But... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I just I really like both uh, Boimler and Tendi, and I suppose I can I can list like literally every character. But they they kind of they feel like um, the part of the audience that grew up watching TNG. Like all of us would give anything to be in Star Trek. Like I I don't I don't care like what mm-hmm. what what's going on in your life now. If you had the chance to like be on the Enterprise doing literally anything, uh, you'd want to go for it. And uh, it's. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I, I I think that they really make sense as sort of the uh, the anchoring characters for us to uh, sort of introduce this new world to us. I'm just I'm very into it. Let's talk about Tendi since you mentioned her. Um, our undercut. Uh, uh, what's what's the what's the Orion? Right, Orion. she's in Orion. Uh, I I fucking love the like. The, the different characters and how they split them out. Um, so, but the fact that we have this kind of wide-eyed, like, I'm just happy to be here. And it's just like, and, and 
badass who gets shit done in the medical band bumps a heart. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like super into it too. I held a heart in my hands. Right? <laughs> super cool. I, I just, I, I fucking love it. And I, it, it again gets to just how much complexity they've infused into each of these characters. Whereas you can have someone who's standing in front of a window watching the stars go by and be like, this is amazing. But at the end, you're just kind of, you just see the, the like, freaking attitude and amazingness of this character as well and they can have both of those qualities um it, it's a di- the dimensionality i think comes through very well with her mm-hmm. i think you know what's kind of cool oh no, i say so you know what's kind of cool is they have created a bunch of characters that are total nerds but in different ways mm-hmm. like it's not just one monolithic nerdy personality right um like i love that scene at the end with tendy and rutherford where you know he's talking about why he's not gonna date what's her name again and you know and it, he's like i you know i just can't believe that she didn't question why this happened i can't i should have written down the line but i didn't and tendy's so like didn't wait something but it doesn't yeah matter. <laughs> yeah and tendy's like wait what and at first you think she's saying like you're gonna stop dating her for that reason. He's like she's like my gosh I can't believe she didn't notice that either. You know I mean it's like so it's just kind of cool that they're all nerdy but they kind of express it in different ways. Totally. I was just gonna say that I think I said in another show Boimler would be the main character, but in another another show, Tendy would be the main character. You know like she's the one that everyone everything gets explained to, and you're like wow this is what a warp core does. That's so great like that kind of thing. And I think it's cool to have her be on the ship but not be one of the main two characters that we really focus on the whole time. I think she's really cool as a as a character, and I'm excited to learn more, but I'm glad that the primary drama around this particular episode didn't just revolve around her being new to the ship. I thought that was a really cool, that was a really good choice, ultimately. So I'm excited to see, like, more about her, besides the fact that she's just, like, super into Starfleet and really likes holding hearts in her hands. <laughs> just a, it's great, but... What about Rutherford? I think it's he's he's I think he's fun. So I'm like trying to like piece together my thoughts about him because he is a, definitely a side character in this episode. But so there are a couple of things. First of all, he is like he has cyborg enhancements, which is like new, and they're they're malfunctioning, which is cool too. Um, but also like the way that you learn really about his character is for a while you think like you're, there's a, that playoff between his like hardware and his personality, and so then learning finally that his personality actually really loves solving problems and like fixing engineering issues and that's not like interference from his own like programming I th- so i thought that was that was cool we do take a little bit longer to learn about him as a character but everything that he does is really fun like them having like having a normal date in the middle of the a the a plot that's the b plot of them like you know a zombie apocalypse happening on the ship he's like mm-hmm. what kind of music do you like oh man where do you live <laughs> like i think that's a really fun time but i don't think we've learned enough about him as a character besides just he's really cool under 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 fire and he really likes solving problems more than he likes dating ladies so i'm excited <laughs> to see more i you know but it's just the first episode yeah th- that was at least the the moment for i think that's one of my favorite moments of the episode is like the oh definitely the this is going to be a show that is about the B plot and not the A plot is mm-hmm. like when they're still going through their like relationship uh, uh, in the middle <laughs> of a, a firefight in the, in the bar. And that I uh, just, uh, such a great moment. 
I feel like he's one of the characters who, in this series so far, at least out of the, the four mains, didn't have as much mm-hmm. uh, development. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to wait till the next episode to get a little bit more complexity added to him. I think the only thing we really learned is that he's kind of nerds out about the like obscure shit that happens engineering-wise. That That is... Uh, but I think the other stuff was kind of a little bit more surface level. So uh, that was my my read a little bit. I, I just want to spend some more time with him in like varied situations and, and figure out yeah. who this person is. And I also want to know why he got the cyborg stuff uh, going on uh, and why he chose to do that. Let's move on to talk about the, the bridge crew. I wanted to throw all of our main, the, the like, you know, the, the first officer, the captain the uh medical officer all uh, and everyone else i just want to throw them into a little bucket that we can we can discuss together does anyone else think it's interesting that it's captain freeman and commander ransom i just thought the play (laughs) between freeman and ransom was was kind of interesting for those two top officers on the bridge i didn't notice that at all but i think that's really cool can you can you explain that i'm sorry well i just was you know like so if i mean the thing that was popping in my head i don't know it's just the thought that so if you need to ask a ransom for someone it's because they're not you know like they've oh, been captured and then gotcha. the captain is freeman so any anyway, i don't know i don't know if they did that on purpose or not but it just jumped out at me as i was watching yeah it's they're all just super tropey mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great you know so the the, the bridge crew are still one-dimensional mm-hmm yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think realistically, we get a lot of lower decks characters who are like, "You showed up, you're gonna die in this episode. You won't make it to a second episode." And so I think it's cool that like I agree that they're they're sort of two very flat characters currently. We might we we'll probably learn more about Captain Freeman from her relationship with Mariner, but like, it is funny to have them be sort of the trope stereotypes and have the lower decks characters be the fully fleshed out people. I really did like Captain Marin, uh, Captain Freeman's, um, like, when the doctor single-handedly saved everyone with yeah. no help yeah. anyone else. Like, I'm so grateful for that. And you're like, That's, you know what? I re- I think so many other disasters are avoided by lower decks crews that don't ever get a mention. And then they also die. So I think yeah. it was, it was, that was a funny detail. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Uh, Actually, I, I might be entirely okay if we don't even ever get any character development of any of the bridge crew. And it's, <laughs> totally. it's it's literally they're just their uh, the stereotypical characters because it like it's a it's a good contrast and also a good poke at the kind of the way that'll even TNG like I I, mm-hmm. I love it dearly but uh, none of those characters ever change at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm just into it. Mm-hmm. I think Ransom is Riker, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is Will Riker. If you don't know Will Riker, definitely. Well, I loved their like br- broy high five thing in the chest <laughs> bump. It was chest so funny, bump. and it was just it was like it was just. I mean, it added on to like the broiness of the show itself. Like, it's, it's not taking itself super seriously, but the characters in that moment were taking themselves like real seriously. Like, Oh yeah, another amazing second contact. This is what we do. Like that kind of thing. And it was definitely like jocks versus nerds in a, in that, that way um, for the show. And it just really was really funny. Like we don't really necessarily need more. I'm sure we will get more, but just that, like we're super self-important and we are really excited about the things that we do when we don't care about anybody else. Like that was really fun. 
Did y'all catch the nice little um, shirt, you know, ripped shirt on uh, oh, yeah. Shaxx, yeah. you know, like that little <laughs> hat tip to Captain Kirk, you know, and uh, showing one nipple, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, just ridiculous. So it's, 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 it's awesome to have a powerful Bajoran. I think all the Bajorans mm-hmm. that, that I remember in Star Trek have been these like scheming, wily people or like weak, you know, I think Kira being and and Ro Loren being the two mm-hmm. exceptions to that rule. So it's nice to have just like a beefcake Bajoran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to, I wanted to throw a shout out to the voice actor for um, Ka- uh, Commander Ransom, who's Jerry O'Connell, the husband of Rebecca <laughs> Roman, who plays Uma in Strange New Worlds, has also been in a, in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, also, the character who does the the chest bump, the uh, the guy with the um, uh, partial mm-hmm. ba- the bald spot uh, and the mustache uh, is Lieutenant Commander Stevens. Apparently, that's the character's name. Because I was like, did I did anyone mention his name? No, apparently. he was just Stevens. he just had his heart out of his body. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I he fist bumped and then he he was he was almost dismembered. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Also, uh, we, we'll talk about this in a second. But we get a Cation, uh, mm-hmm. the, the cat people who have been in the animated series as one in, I think, a couple of uh, Star Trek movies as well. But they're back uh, as well with uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, Ta'ana. Dr. Ta'ana. Yeah, Commander I think, Ta'ana. I think this is a good example of what the animated series can do besides, like, puke black goo and have zombies <laughs> that would give kids nightmares if they were in real real life. Um, of, like, having these characters and these, these races of aliens that are very different from the norm and not have to spend like a million dollars on makeup every single episode i think that's really cool i mean you have these like pig people what are, whatever they're called what are they called galadonians galadonians they have galadonian pig people and the gigantic the gigantic milk spider and then you have the 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 doctor the medical officer and so i think it's cool that we can sort of diversify the number of the kinds of aliens that we see besides just like people in suits and people in suits and I wonder if we'll have that weird like tripod uh, race that was in uh, oh, yeah. the animated series. The, I can't remember the, that they have in the Tolians. animated series. Yeah, Tolians. I I am excited to see Tana like in the background of some Star Trek movie. There'll be like a cat-looking person with like a little coat in the background walking through. People like that's Tana. They put her in the movie, man. Uh, anyway, hey, let's take a break. At this point, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with part two of our show. Are you drunk? Yeah, dude, you should be too. I mean, this station is amazing. And they have Romulan whiskey. And I bet you thought it was going to be green, but it is actually blue. It's this very beautiful color. Romulan whiskey is against regulation. Yeah, because it's awesome. Oh, man, they got all sorts of great stuff. Oh, oh, oh come on, check this out. Ah, be oh, careful yeah. with that. Pretty sweet, right? Yeah, it's a Klingon bat, um, bat, uh, bat. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. It doesn't matter. Shut up. I got it from an old guy with an eye patch. Hey, hey. Come spar with no, me. Stop. Come on. Oh, we could be Klingons. We could have crimped hey, hair, hey, wrinkled hey, foreheads. War, war, war. On it. I love all. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, part two of our discussion about Second Contact. You could say it's the second contact of Second Contact. I'm here all day, folks. (laughs) Let's talk about the animation. We talked a little bit about that in, in regards to the fact that we can do some crazy stuff with it that allows plot lines that would ordinarily require massive piles of makeup, a lot of cleanup of, you know, goo on the set and things like that. You can explore parts of the ship that maybe would be too difficult to create as a set, typically. Um, So there's just a lot of flexibility. 
But are there other aspects of this show's animation that you think are fun? That's a good question. I was kind of worried, I think, from a from a animation perspective, I was kind of worried that this show would kind of just be a copy and paste of Rick and Morty in all things. And I think what's been really cool is that obviously the same style of animation is, is present, but there's a lot more to it too. I think I think I'm thinking about like the opening shot of the Cerritos in the docking bay. And I don't know if you guys remember this, I was like very impressed with the opening shot of this episode, but how, like how stylized that was and how, it was definitely there was a, there was the sort of the, the glamour shots of Star Trek as well. So I think they did a really good job sort of blending the more comedic animation style with the Star Trek style, the Star Trek aesthetic, I would say. I appreciated also their use of the next generation graphics. Yeah, right? Mhm. Yeah, no Max. Yeah, the look of this whole show is just amazing. The look and the sound as well. The all of the music cues were very, very uh, yeah. not just TNG, but TNG to Face Nine Voyager. It definitely had that yeah. feeling. Definitely. Bill, what do you think yeah, about the uniforms? Hmm. I don't know. They always have a, they have a different uniform every show, right? Because they just have to, you know, <laughs> subtly different, you know. Merchandising. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Which would be confusing so if you were actually in Starfleet. But. <laughs> <laughs> so the uniform was supposed to be what we saw in the flashback from a card, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be? Is that, is uh, that what really? it is? I think so. So yeah, like when, right. um, yeah. yeah, when Picard uh, resigns from Starfleet, I think it's right. that same uniform. Mm-hmm. We was the first time we've ever seen a uniform. I think an unbuttoned, unless it was like Picard being like, "This is this like it's like displaying his like." Um, Patrick Stewart chest hairs, which is definitely, they were really like sexually attracted to <laughs> Captain Picard in TNG, which I mean, I think the entire world is sexually attracted to Patrick Picard, Stewart, uh, Patrick Stewart, although maybe I'm realizing I've revealed too much on this podcast. Um, no, you're not no, alone. you're not alone. Not alone. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Adam and I said that at the same time. Wow. <laughs> well, like his, his, like this, the, the, the side, the side quest is like this whole, his whole like flute player dreamland that he went into with his dissociative Patrick Stewart where he like had a very very deep V for the entire episode like all right well we're just in this um but Mariner's uniform in the very beginning of the show of this episode is unbuttoned she's like hanging loose a little bit she's drinking the Romulan whiskey and like having a good time I thought that was that one was kind of a cool aesthetic choice I mean I don't think it really like made a huge difference in the whole episode but I think showing Sort of, sort of to, to Notch's point about the the bathrooms on the starship. Sort of the idea that there's there's un, there's buttoned and then there's unbuttoned. Like these are functional wardrobes that people are using. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm reading too deeply into it, but I did like that detail. I, I was just yeah, pulling up some images for y'all so y'all can see mm-hmm. the what they look like. There's also a cosplayer, so you can see what it looks like in real life. That's just amazing. There's already a cosplayer that has it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, the, it it looks like it's a it's more functional. It's like I mean, converted. in the lines of uh, the Wrath of Khan uh, outfits, although those look like they would be very very warm. But so maybe these are uh, uh, the summer more summer practical uniforms. than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, linen. It, it looks like one step back from the uniforms that they had in that yeah, Picard flashback. Yeah, it's inverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, and they have kind like, of like how the Deep Space Nine and the TNG uniforms were flipped yeah. as far as where the color oh, was. Yes. So uh, yeah, I, well anyway, a lot of uniform talk. I'm, I mean, I'm the kind <laughs> of person who nerds out and goes and looks at all the Starfleet ranks and uniforms over the years and like not just memorized all of Memory Alpha basically up until this point. So hey, <laughs> I haven't actually looked at Memory Alpha for this episode, so maybe I can do that. I haven't while... looked at Memory Alpha for two days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a problem with Memory Alpha. I, I want to touch on the broiness of Starfleet, which we've mentioned before mm. as well. You know, the the chest bumping, but there's also the guy on Galarprime who's like. And now we're gonna help the uh, Galar Galardonians, you know. Like, <laughs> there's just a very like, you know, these are the guys who uh, weren't quite good enough to be on Picard's bridge <laughs> aspect to the show, and uh, and it's it's uh, it's Starfleet characters. I was kind of curious your reaction to that. I feel like if, yeah. th- sorry, Bill, I did a thing where I'm going to st- talk more. Go do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, so they're, they're doing these subtle rifts on a lot of things that maybe we actually weren't present in Star Trek in previous iterations. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, I mean, it makes it funny. Uh, so to make the, the bridge officers like frat boys, and I guess Riker and Kirk was a total frat boy. But, you know, they're hamming it up a little bit. And, yeah, I, I think it's fun. I think if I have one criticism of the newer tracks, I think I've said it in the last episode, too, so I'm probably just repeating myself at this point, but is that they take themselves really, really seriously. And there's not a lot of playing around between characters. And I think that's those are sort of the fun times in these shows when there's, like, a little bit more relaxation and it's not mm-hmm. just, like, this is a serious plot. With serious characters with serious writing and serious directing and this lighting super serious and this tech the most serious tech i've ever seen like that kind of thing where now there's <laughs> an ability to play around and so i really enjoyed it i think i agree with bill that it sort of underlined that they're very two very different types of crews and one crew is the first contact crew and the war crew and the other crew is the second contact and the bureaucracy crew and i liked it you know I will uh, point out real quick a little detail that uh, came out of our our friends at uh, Memory Alpha, uh, which is that the the captain's uh, ready room has a whole bunch of little details um, that aren't explained in the show as well. Like um, there's a tattered flag of California in the background. There's there's a, a baseball on her shelf as well. Um, there's a bunch of like ship models. There's a Cerritos and like a, a there's just a bunch of stuff. So go Sailing check that ship. out. Yeah, check mm-hmm. that out if you if you have a sword. Uh-huh. Well, wait, did, so obviously the the baseball is similar to Captain Cisco, right? The Correct. Space Nine. But then also, didn't Picard have a ship like a ship in a bottle mm-hmm. or uh, a sailboat? Well, he had yes, he did. And then his uh, the Enterprise E had all the previous Enterprises where you know she's like you yeah. broke your little ships and you yeah, know. That's right. <laughs> The light must be drawn here, bang! Okay, sorry. Right. <laughs> I had to do that. Everybody's favorite moment. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, what were you saying, Bill? Sorry. Yeah, I was just recalling that scene in First Contact where Picard flips out and like, mm-hmm. he smashes all of them, right? Right, right. And um, It's very un-Picard. Yeah. Uh, un- unless you're, you're uh, referring to Star Trek Discovery parts, dick picard uh theory which i really love shout out to star trek discovery pod by the way they make good stuff 
Um, let's let's. Okay, so so that that that's what we have for for Brewery Starfleet. I, I wanted to ask you all if you all have talked to any non Trek fans about this show. Yeah, I, I've wondered about that. There are so many in jokes, and I think uh, it, it, that might be fine. Like Rick and Morty has tons of in jokes, and it's Rick and Morty is like it doesn't take place within an existing established universe, but there's there's all this kind of sci-fi stuff that I don't think a, a casual viewer would get necessarily, and Rick and Morty seems to do fine with that. Mm-hmm. But, well, but you... yeah, I like you know I I don't know. There's so they play on sci-fi tropes so much, mm-hmm. and like oh, it's the Gazorpazorps, and you know, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> uh. So, I mean, they're definitely doing that a lot. I just don't know if for a casual viewer or for somebody who doesn't know Star Trek, if it would they'd miss everything or if mm-hmm. it would just be a little bit or I, I don't know. Yeah. I was curious and I looked at the IMDb reviews, which are terrible, and oh. they are all written by people who fashion themselves huge Star Trek fans. Uh. Um, and so that's not... Obviously, that wouldn't be the people who aren't familiar with Star Trek, but I almost feel like they didn't actually watch the episode <laughs> because they were, they just, or if they did, they just wanted to hate it mm. so much because it wasn't, it wasn't actually TNG and it wasn't actually Voyager. Or it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't actually that that era of Star Trek that they grew up with and they hate Discovery and they hate Picard and CBS ruins everything. I mean, it was just ridiculous <laughs> the things that they were saying so i didn't know if any of you read them but it's a good laugh so i feel like there, there's so much there's so much loaded there's so much loaded in sci-fi start fandom and like as a sci-fi fan myself i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of divisive <laughs> bullshit that happens in fandoms where there's a lot of like oh this this show is better than this other show and you're like well why and most of it is like i grew up with this show but sometimes it's like I don't like that there's a black woman as the main character and I don't like how you know this cast is very diverse and I don't like how Picard got old and you're like well I don't well, understand there's there's also there's also more benign but still cutting criticisms that come in the form of things like I don't like the action it's got to be intellectual or it's too intellectual I want more action, more action yeah. it's just generally gatekeepy and I think until even even right after the until re, right after the reboot you only had it one form one prevailing form of star trek mm-hmm. that then everything else was compared to i would say it's the 90s trek that bill referred to earlier in our podcast and now i think we're approaching a, a place not approaching we are in a place where everyone gets their style of star trek and you don't have to like all of it right like it's right. it's okay not to like teenagers taking over a derelict star trek on a nickelodeon show like i'm probably not gonna like that full full disclosure <laughs> um that's okay. You you can you can have your little slice of the Star Trek world, and it's okay not to like everything else. At the same time, I think there's what y'all are picking up on. I think is is that tendency to like tear it down and say, "Well, you're a bad fan for liking mm-hmm. it." Yeah. And I think that that it's that second part that always graded on me. I never had an issue with folks who hated the reboot, for example. I freaking love it. But there's a lot of people out there who really despise it. Maybe as a Voyager fan, this is just like built in. Like as, that was my first Trek. My first experience with Star Trek fans were like, You don't have to like it, but sucks. I love it. So leave me alone. Right? And, and so I think, I think as long, I'm really glad that everyone on this 
podcast so far. Maybe Max and Rudy fucking hated no, Lower Max, Decks. They're Max they're going to come in. They couldn't be. <laughs> they're going to be like, like, it's awful. You're not bad people for liking it. Max we hate you. never laughs at anything on TV. And he was like lo- dying of laughter yesterday so when we were watching it. So okay. it's... <laughs> he, okay, I, don't know, I, don't, I can't speak for Rudy, but... Yeah, <laughs> You're right. Uh, so so, so we, we, we'll see. But I'm, I'm just glad that I'm on a, a, a show with other people who like liking star trek and it's okay you know so i was gonna s- go ahead i'm predisposed to love all things star trek adam knows this about me mm-hmm. like and i love i mean i pretty much i mean there are obviously stinkers of episodes among mm-hmm. all of the series but um i'm just mostly gonna love it i love everything and then adam and i will text and he starts tearing apart some things and i'm like oh but I, <laughs> but, but I loved it and oh you're right that did have it, that did happen and oh you're right that was inconsistent but I just want to love it I want to love Star yeah. Trek so. and what, what's hilarious is that uh, you and I have both had the same same feelings but just about different parts of different episodes <laughs> right, I, I remember that distinct feeling uh, texting about some things about uh, how uh, season 2 of Discovery was going I'm like uh-huh. oh <laughs> yeah. But, but we did both agree that uh, episode 3 of season 2 of Star Trek Discovery can go straight in the trash can <laughs> the worst. You're bad people if you like it. Um, <laughs> so I think to your point, um, Notch and I think Bill too. I think what I really liked and sort of this really ties back to our first one of our first mentions about pacing is that like in a show that had a slower pace and had like the point of that of a scene would be the individual joke that's a reference to a thing that you needed to have seen from a different like episode of treks and different um different series that would have been a really hard thing for people who are new fans to get in on so like even when i think about the first scene when mariner is holding the batleth over her head and like pretending to be wharf and doing like wharf voice that's actually not the point of the of the scene the the scene is super funny especially if you know all of the, the references in the scene but the point of the scene is that she's goofing around and then hits him in the leg right so it's not mm-hmm. like this is the only joke in this scene and i really hope you understand it because there's no other joke for you and that's what the p- the pace really does it just keeps mm-hmm. going but then it also like introduces new jokes too which is really fun like the sand joke i was crying I was crying right. with laughter over the sand joke. So it's like these new things that are different that people who have never seen an episode of Trek in any in any capacity will be able to watch and enjoy. That sand joke was a reference to Star Wars, right? Like, 100%. I'm not, like, 100%. I'm not like smoking something when I Okay. No, um, 100%. Let's let's I hate sand. Let's take that opportunity to dive into talking about little details, the lines we loved, uh, just basically stuff at the end to to recap. Uh, stuff that we haven't haven't got to yet. I, I want to throw out a shout out to the person who went and decided to spend a few minutes of their life on this from Memory Alpha. When the modular shelter on the Galardonian's planet is seen from above, it has a tower-like structure on the top. However, whenever the shelter is seen at ground level, the tower is absent. Got God new. bless that person. Oh, <laughs> I hope you're doing okay. It ruins the episode. <laughs> no, it took me right out. Unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh. just, 
I mean, cool. I think everyone has their thing, and that's definitely not my thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, if that's if that gives your life a little bit of happiness to catch stuff, lad, good for you, I guess. Um, Can I? I mean, this yeah. is not a really this is not a detail that really ruins anything for me because it's a very very pithy. But like, how the shovel and the hoe are the same? They're same, but they're spacey shovels and hoes. Like, oh, there's no <laughs> other. This is the only way that we know how to farm. It's just a shovel and a hoe, but this one has space buttons, and you're like, good. <laughs> Like, yeah, so, it doesn't so, matter. It really doesn't matter at all. But I was like, huh. All right. Well, cool. I guess. So that's a callback. So we've seen a space shuffle and a space hoe. <laughs> oh, damn it. I don't, I don't remember. We def- Yeah. Riker's a space hoe. Oh, <laughs> he that sure a, is, ladies. That was a layup. That was, I just served that up to yeah, you. Yeah. I feel like it was yeah. a Deep Space Nine episode where uh, Kira was working on a on some far, the some land they needed to reclamate oh, or something. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I feel mm. like I have a vague memory. It may have been in there. That sounds yeah, about I mean, right. It's so funny, and they, you know, they have like the space glasses. Right. Like, when you drink water, you can't just be out of like a glass. Like, mm, space, space glass. glass. Oh, <laughs> I, right. I, I will have you know that uh, I very much appreciated this. We literally, uh, why uh, our our house uh, growing up had those glasses, it did. and uh, <laughs> they are on Next Generation. They were in our house, and then when Battlestar Galactica, uh, the reboot, came out, it was also on there, and I still have them, and it's amazing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Did you guys grow up on the Enterprise? We kind of did. Yeah. I don't think yeah, my did. father, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, would appreciate that question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, did like, anyone else? Oh, no, that, I was just going to double down on the space toe. So oh. darn about it. You, you, you have a better point. Go for it. <laughs> no, I don't. And I may have missed. I got distracted by a toddler. But there, I, I did notice, like, the second time they went down to the planet, I felt like one of the structures, like, I don't know if they were mountains or if it was, like, a city dwelling or whatever. It really looked like um, a stormtrooper, like, a weird, not exactly mm. like a stormtrooper, but it kind of had this weird, it looked like the helmet of something that was part of the structure. I'm like, did someone do that on purpose? Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's an Easter egg. Star Wars Easter egg for you, Star Trek fans. <laughs> I, I really appreciated Mariner's rant about all of the tough situations that she's yeah. been in. Yeah. Um, and again, like, they just throw in these little callbacks like the Yeti in the Klingon prison. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. Like, the writing yeah. just put in all of these great jokes. And it's funny. Like, going back to... The, it just... I could I could read out li- the whole script right now and as my favorite lines. <laughs> and this is, proceeds us to our next unit, our next section of the show, which is not to get just reads the entire script again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, thinking about... Think about, too, I forgot this, um, that... Um, isn't Boimler from California? Modesto, California. Modesto, yeah. California. Right? And so then the captain has the flag of California behind her desk, too. It's a California class. A, ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's a California oh, class. And Cerritos yeah, is yeah, yeah. a city in California. Yeah. Interesting. So either it's just a like love lettered California. And <laughs> like, everyone's from California. I kind of felt that way. themed show. Now we better get like the Snoop Dogg song in there. California <laughs> or knows how to party. It's, it's Tupac. Tupac. That's right. Snoop what? is the is the guest artist. <laughs> what show has the California song as is, is it the OC? It must be the OC. Has the California theme song? Now I'm just a really bad millennial who doesn't remember the theme song <laughs> to the OC. It's fine, but it could also just be a, a Easter egg for the OC. <laughs> this episode was one of the uh, first episodes since Enterprise to have uh, the the title of the episode show in in the beginning. The only mm. other 
was uh, Nepenthe, which has the word Nepenthe, but it's not the title, it's the location. And then some short treks have have the title <laughs> of the episode. And I know some people actually noticed this and appreciated it. Uh-huh. So I wanted to give a shout to those folks. Do you prefer a title at the beginning of an episode in general, or do you not prefer it? What's your, what's your stance? I like when shows do witty things with their episode titles. Now, I will say this, and then on my, the title of this episode on our feed is going to be Lower Decks, Episode 1. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> but, but A rope of sand. Right? I, I like when, when there's some sort of clever reference in the title, and if you catch that reference, you get a little bit extra out of the episode that follows, or when you rewatch, there's something more there. But that's asking a lot of writers who have done heavy work already i feel like Mad Men was that type of show and mm-hmm. then there are a few other shows out there where um there there's there's creative stuff done so because of that i like when the title shows up but it's not something i care about very much but i did notice that it showed up in this show mm-hmm. other little details things that you want to reference before we move on So the final thing that I want us to talk about, and this is just for a couple of minutes here, so very quickly, do you have ideas for where the show is going? We've got 10 episodes in this season. What are your predictions? And know that we're going to play these back after episode 10 and laugh at how wrong we are. (laughs) So did you guys watch the teaser at the end? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, so we see, so that the tripod species, Eryx, from the animated series, there's one of those that we see. I was trying to decide if it was that or if it was a, because um, it, it, my initial, as I was watching, it was like species 8472, but it, it's probably the tripod uh, species. It's probably, because <laughs> those also have that sort of leg structure. But uh, yeah, I thought yeah. you were talking about the Tolians, my bad. Well, so we, we oh, from, yes. from the from the preview, we we see that eventually, somehow, Mariner and Boimler end up on the bridge in some capacity, and it could be like a test. It could be what people die. We don't know. So I think realistically, I my predictions are that um, the the con- the thesis of the show, which is that the lower decks crew is actually better than the bridge crew, continuously gets tested, right? And one of the, th- the the predictions I have is that um, Mariner is actually going to end up getting Boimler and potentially Tendi and also Rutherford in trouble because of her um, insubordination. Like, she was insubordinate in front of the captain in this episode, right? So we already see that she she questions the captain openly. I mean, it's her mom, so it makes sense that there, there are different boundaries. But I think that where Mariner has, again, not really... Uh, hurt her anyone besides herself as far as we know with her insubordination now she has someone who's like you're absolutely right the bridge crew sucks I want to be one of you like she Boimler is now like very on her side and I think that's gonna get Boimler in trouble and Boimler is Tendi's mentor on the ship and so it could get meant like Tendi at least involved and so then Mariner's gonna have to like make a choice about who she like how she wants to proceed now that she's like ended up potentially hurting the careers of people that she cares about. That's my prediction. You can't see it, but I'm dabbing. You shouldn't, I should never dab. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I do apologize for all of, to all of my ancestors for that. I it is a good way to end all arguments, though. <laughs> the virtual dab. Other predictions. Where is Lower Decks going? 
I think one of them's gonna start a war. Mm. That could be the Mariner. That could be Mariner. This is be... this is the least. I think she's too smart to do that. I think this will be yeah, like it has to be accidental. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this ship or or one of these lower decks people is gonna start a war because it's mm-hmm. it's billed as the least important starship in Starfleet, uh, according to Alex Kurtzman, who, who's the 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 show's runner for Star Trek. And so I think that they're gonna do something that has massive implications in this mm-hmm. t- in the lore, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a mistake. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The rest There'll of you probably play- be a lot of goo. There'll be a lot of science sciency goo. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that's gonna happen. You're, you're playing your cards close to your chest, Adam, Bill, mm-hmm. and Emily. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have enough like creative or narrative uh insight to be able to predict you know i'm just where, where do you want it to go where do you where I, do you want it well, to go I, let's, let's hear I, that well I'll, I'll cop out and just talk some more about the preview so you know we see them having like in some kind of tribunal like more callbacks mm. to star trek 6 to the undiscovered country which is actually the best star trek movie I don't know if you guys knew that. But. It's, it's I'm looking forward to our series yeah. recapping the movies now. Don't come after yeah. us for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Underappreciated, for sure. So so there's, you know, the, I don't know. They've been accused of some crime and they're, you know, being put mm. up for trial in like a big, deep, dark amphitheater. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, and and that that so that that Klingon tribunal it shows up in a more retro form in Enterprise, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite callbacks in Enterprise. The way that they were able to like retroify, they they because someone had to go in and be like, okay, what were the Klingons like in their past? Yeah, and I loved mm-hmm. it. That was a great episode. But no, I, I feel like we're going to have those moments. There, I think there's going to be a number of moments throughout the season that were just kind of like, oh, man, damn, that yeah. was that was pretty cool. Like, I, I didn't, you know, like, I think they're going to make some deep, uh, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, like, like some deep points or just, they're just going to have some moments in there where, like, that was pretty awesome. Like, I feel like that, that this first episode mm-hmm. had it with, um, uh, my gosh, I'm losing people's names, with Mariner talking about, you know, no, I'm giving farm equipment to them because the bureaucracy of Starfleet right. makes it impossible for people to get food when they need it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, that was, I feel like we're going to have a lot of moments like that. Totally. So, yeah. Um, I, I think related to our, uh, the whole, uh, we have the, our lower deckers and the, the, the people that are uh, sort of the, are supposed to be the main cast of, of this show. Uh, I, I think we might end up seeing uh, the, the Cerritos itself upstaged at some point, but perhaps even in this war that uh, that Notch, Notch talked about, uh, we might ha- create something where the Enterprise just comes in, saves the day, and takes complete <laughs> credit for everything, and then uh, that's like the end of. I, I could I could awesome. see that either being yeah. a good end of the season or maybe of the series entirely. Is uh, can I get Janeway like, back doing yeah. that, please? That's yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I, you know, I think there's just going to be lots of little cute things that happen with the characters mm-hmm. and i think if I, I don't know if you guys have read all the tng season eight tweets but i think they're just brilliant i mean it's so funny i'm gonna buy the um, book he wrote a book on it i think and i yeah, i want I was to looking at that too yeah yeah but it's like you know i, I i'm not gonna get it right because i'm not as funny as mike mcmahon but you know it'll be something like you know picard has to save a 
you know, a space whale and you know, that's the A plot. And then the B plot is like Data and Jordy um, have to run around the Enterprise looking for Spot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's so good. Well, we'll play these back at some point to, to check on whether any of them we came. Torture ourselves. Right. Came true. Uh, but I think that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you, Emily, Adam, Dinah, Bill, for showing up. Thank you, Max and Rudy, for not showing up. But yeah, how uh, dare you. They, they, will, they shall return. They shall return. Our show, you, you, what you're going to see, dear listeners, is that we keep coming in and out. So sometimes all of us are here. Sometimes a few of us are here. Depends. Uh, thank you, though, listener, for you showing up and, and taking time to listen. Again, remember to follow us and rate us on iTunes. Thank you, Jishnu Guoha, for our awesome theme music. Jishnu is a musician uh, living in India who does great stuff. He has a podcast of his own called Geek Fruit. Check that out if you feel so inclined. And thanks to the Galadonian pig people for being so wholesome <laughs> and harmless to our main characters. <laughs> They were wonderful. So thanks again, everybody. Take it easy. We'll return next week. Bye.